Three, two, one, bam! Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another exciting, entertaining episode of See What Had Happened Was. I'm Trader Chocolate Jock. And I'm Alex Dupree. And see what had happened was, we're trying to get y'all to stop being scared and invest that bread. Money, 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 money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming up, I want to talk to my man, Ryan Willis, who is working himself up to be a financial guru. He uh, not only... Uh, fixes people's credit. He also was into the whole Forex thing. And uh, if that's something you are interested in or have no interest about, perhaps we can sway your opinion either way uh, a little later on today. Okay. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Number one, we want to appreciate you for uh, spending your time with us this, this night. And trust me, this interview that we have coming up, trust me, you're going to walk away with some knowledge if you are in the uh, take in knowledge mode tonight. So we got y'all. All right. Alex Dupree, how's it going today? What's up? What Fantastic. I got my black tank top going. As usual. <laughs> ain't, nothing, ain't nothing changed, but ain't nothing changed. I, I swear, I'm going to go and count them for next week, but I think I have 42 black tank tops. Are you serious? Everything's black, huh? No other color of anything. Yeah. You no, know, I did start integrating a pop of color uh, a year and a half, two years ago, and it is charcoal wait, gray. Wait, wait, a pop. A of pop color. of color. It's charcoal gray. So every now and then I will splash into my black some charcoal gray. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All yeah. right. So um, my week has been pretty cool. I'm still getting fit, you know, uh, still working mm-hmm. out, you know. I've been eating lots of hummus. And Triscuits. <laughs> and it's good, right? Oh, this is delicious. Wait, I've never you get, had hummus before I started eating it. And yo, I don't know. what. When did they invent this? When when did this hit the market? First of all, I told my friends Amy and I told Batman you had just discovered hummus. And they laughed. I mean, they almost pulled an intestine laughing at you. It was That's so funny. not regular black people stuff. Hummus. That's well, all I'm neither one of them are black, but I am. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not resting my case. Thank you. But I've been eating hummus forever. And yeah, it's good. Did you get the, the Stacy's pita chips like I told you? Well, I know you didn't. Show me a picture of the bag. Yeah, but. Oh, I, you don't like them? Keep going. It's Keep going. Just don't try it once. I, I bit one and it was like it was a wood chip from one of those playgrounds that we used to grow up. Really? Yeah. Just yeah, put the like, hummus on it. You don't have to eat it naked. I, I like yeah. once I tried it, I denied it, and I'm not coming back. Send to me it. the bag. <laughs> I mean, I got them money. Because of your recommendation, but I, no, that was you bought the big you know, ghetto family size bag too. That was seasoned wood that I had right there. Man, right. you know what you're talking about. Man, yeah. I, save yeah. me some money. I'm trying to budget, so send me the the bag. Are we doing any shots today? If anybody does anything like the dog barks or I say, oh, or anything, I'm, I'm cool. I can go with my us the whole time. I'm good. I mean, you can. And if we're doing shots, it's going to be a LaCroix because Batman and I, we are going dry for at least 30 days. Oh, okay. Y'all must have been getting it in, huh? We went ham. Yeah. Well, somebody says, like, plans a detox. <laughs> they've been doing bad. You know that? Yeah, we're we going to detox for the next hour. I mean, for the next month or so. Yeah, we uh, we went ham during quarantine. And, uh, yeah, we had to we had to pull back. So the day after his birthday, he's like, we, we shutting it down for at least a month. I was like, we shutting it down. Let's shut it down to my birthday, which is Thanksgiving. I'm drinking. 
And we're going to blame it on the pandemic, though, right? Yes, we are. Okay. For sure. Okay. You blame <laughs> a lot of stuff on the pandemic. I've, and, blamed, I've only blamed getting fat and um, or gaining weight. I still didn't get fat. I just gained weight. Gaining weight and becoming a lush on the pandemic. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah. This new Alex drinking is something that we've never seen before. But no. I like the drinking Alex as opposed to the, I'm not touching liquor Alex. So yeah. keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> keep them coming. All right. Let's touch on this because uh, we're going to give you guys a, a hot 90 minutes tonight as opposed to the 60 that we usually give you. So uh, unusually, we're kind of working on a time restraint tonight. Well, not really, but kind of sort of. So uh, let's 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 uh, let's talk some things. So. What's up with AOC? And let me first start by saying that I'm not watching the Democratic National Convention. Okay. And the reason why I'm not watching it, number one, um, it's not a convention. You know, I, I don't feel like it's a convention because I don't see everybody from, you know, the different states and everybody coming up and clapping and then booing, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't really feel like there's a convention uh, by plus Basketball playoffs are going on right now. So I can give really? I know who the nominee is. I know who his running mate is. I'll catch the highlights on YouTube. Let's keep going. It's just and, the timing of everything. I'm sorry. That's fair. I will say, Michelle Obama, it was amazing. I saw that. I saw that. I, amazing. I, I, the, world, the world stops when Michelle speaks. This so I did see that. Yeah. So that was amazing. But with uh, AOC, nominating Bernie Sanders for president yesterday. This 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 was so awesome. I needed this in my life. So we've talked about why I do not like Bernie Sanders. I got, I've had problems with this man because he didn't do what he was supposed to do in the last election. When you lose and you don't get the dom- nomination, you don't run off like you've got your feelings hurting like a little girl on the school ground and say, hmm, well, I'm not playing anymore. And then you don't turn your voters, you don't not turn your voters over to the candidate. And that's exactly what he did last time. At the very end, he tried to give a lackluster, yeah, go vote for Hillary. But his people were so behind him, they were like, man, forget that. We're just not voting at all. And that was a problem. So what happened this time, even though Bernie Sanders suspended his campaign, AOC came up and nominated him for president. He came up and then his speech was, thank you, but no, not me. Let's go Biden. Everybody, ah, he said, okay. so everybody that was voting for me, I love you. I appreciate you. Now we are coming together and let us go behind Wait, me. So was that, was that planned for her to do that? That was planned because he didn't do that last time. And that was the reason why so many oh. thousands and hundreds of thousands of people didn't gotcha. vote because they were team Bernie gotcha. and they were team Bernie, Bernie and, and nobody else. Yeah. So they didn't right, Bernie or bust. And so yeah. they fixed that this time. And fix that. So at least yeah. he learned Bernie was, you know, he did the right thing this time. So he, yeah. he got a, a point and a half from yeah. me now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's turn the page to Ted. Uh, I remember this. I was on the air 18 years ago when uh, I announced that Jam Master J passed away. Uh, I know. Uh, that was, yeah, go ahead. You said what? No, this was big. It was huge. It was so yeah. huge. And the outpouring of how many people were not normally emotional, like the roughnecks, man, they were broken. I remember being on the air and I remember shortly after that, people were directing it toward 50 cents and that the guys that wanted 50 cent ended up getting 
what where it was what what was the opinion well i guess the rumor was that the guys who got jam master j was really trying to get 50 and ended up getting jam master j uh I don't know what I heard about that. Was it for revenge or the fact that they couldn't get 50 or they knew what they were doing? I don't know. But, yeah, uh, that's- but it had to do with being at that studio. And they were just saying the way it happened, it happened so fast. It's like they rushed in, shot and and rushed out. And it was like yeah. there was no lingering. Like they knew what they were going and 50 had been in those studios. So, yeah, they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the news just broke a few days ago that his killers were arrested. Two men were arrested in the murder of Jam Master J. What else do you have on that? Well, one was already incarcerated. He's already sitting in jail already. So they picked up the one dude, but they did say that they executed him because of a beef over a multi-state narcotics transit transaction. So this was over drugs, yo. Like, mm. like I never- he was, mov- he was moving dope. He was definitely, I heard that too, that he was- I he heard was, it, but he I never heard it. Again. He was a caveman. I heard it after he got killed, but I never heard that before about Jam Master J. I never associate that with his personality. He, from everything that I knew, and maybe I was just out of it at the point, but I never equated him with any dirty dealings. I never heard that about him until the take was in the hat all the time when they but went out know. spinning. But he had know. his crack in his hat. So anybody who wanted to come up and hear a song, you know, you give the request and he goes in his head, gets his crack and gives it back. You know, Jam Master J, <laughs> King hey. of Rock, there is none higher. <laughs> you put it all together. You know, they were talking to us when he sounds the call. Dang, it went over, straight over my damn head. Yeah, learn something every single day. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so check it out. Yesterday, we Wait a talked minute. Uh, money. We talked money on yesterday and you were going to tell me your side hustle or a uh, bubble money sad hustle that you had, right? Absolutely. So you know you're watching the the NBA bubble right now. So my Miami Heat star Jimmy Butler, he's down there in the bubble, and he is running a side hustle from inside the bubble as a barista. So what he did was he was like, we're going to be down here. I bet you the coffee game will not be right at this hotel. So he brought his French press down with him. And so he is like a one-man coffee shop for the league. He has a whiteboard sitting outside of his room, and he's got the 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 market cornered. So it doesn't matter if it's a small, medium, or large coffee. You place your order, twenty dollars a pop, cash only, and he is running coffee for everybody down there. This dude now, is coming out rich. Now I'm wondering who's the weed plug because it's always <laughs> one. It's always one. Somebody down there is the plug. For either the edibles or somebody, trust me. One of I think it's James Harden. James Harden, you know he he's probably in the beard. It's in the beard, is he's got his stuff in there? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that's pretty dope. So, uh, in fact, I'm missing an NBA game right now. So let's hurry up and get to this interview. So, first of all, this young man we're about to talk to is gonna school us on forex and also clearing your credit. So, if you don't know what forex is, and if your credit is kind of jacked, and you aren't trying to spend a lot of money uh, getting your credit repaired from these services. Some of the information that he's about to give us is very good, helpful information that you can use moving forward. Trust me, Alex and I was after we talked to him, we were like, yo, et cetera, Baze, Skippy, I'm sorry, that's the chat town. Also, we did not, of course, because we're just trying to make it 90 minutes, we didn't air the entire interview, our entire interview is on that link in the comments. So all you got to do is just go to our YouTube page 
and it'll be on there. You can check out the full interview. But yeah, this is uh, good stuff. <laughs> really good stuff. So you guys check it out. Ready to start taking notes. Absolutely. In fact, we'll give you some time to go take some notes. I mean, go get to see the paper, uh, whatever, in a pen. Or you could just watch this on demand when we play it again. So there it is. All right. Uh, I want you guys to enjoy and check it out. Hold on here. You know how the students, uh, how your uh, teacher would play the video and then walk out to class. Uh, that's <laughs> what we're doing right now. Uh, check it out. <laughs> All right. Our guest tonight is uh, Mr. Ryan Willis. He is here to talk uh, about us as people investing our money because uh, one of the first things, so first of all, a lot of black people just don't invest their money. You know, they, it's it's not in the cars. It's just not an option to do. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to get into that in a minute. I met Mr. Willis here uh, about six, seven years ago. Uh, Remember when we had these stops in between our radio jobs. So I was working for for Chicago public schools at the time. And uh, uh, Brother Willis was here and he was one of the dean uh, of the school. So he was the one that, you know, the students are scared of at this point. This this is the man that writes you up, suspends you, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a young brother, one of the youngest cats at the school. And and the students could really relate to him because he was almost as close to their age. And, you know, Mm -hmm. pretty cool. uh, Cool thing working with him at Marshall High School. Well, sorry. Mr. Willis, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Hey, what's going on, y'all? All right. So first of all, uh, what made me want to bring him on the show is I see him on Facebook all the time. And all he posts is like motivational stuff about like investing. He'll say something to an effect of uh, Bugs Bunny stock went up today. I'm about to buy it. Y'all in? You know, or... Uh, uh, you know, like it's motivation. It's like, you know, come on, let's, let's do this stock stuff. Let's get into this investing stuff. So first of all, man, tell me how you get, made the transition to what you're doing now. You know, what motivated you or inspired you to start this whole money wealth wealth thing? So what was what what happened? What had happened was <laughs> what had happened was um, it's, it's, it's a funny story. Right. So about four years ago, um, November of I want to say 20 almost four years ago, November, 2017, one of my close friends had reached out to me. He was living in Atlanta at the time. And he had called me like, Hey bro, I'm down in Atlanta. And you know, there's some, some cats down here that's making $10,000 a month from their cell phone. Right. So keep in mind at that time, I think I was at Longwood being <laughs> the students. I've been working for CPS by that time for about my 10th year working with CPS. So when somebody called me at 10 o'clock at night, saying I can make $10,000 from my cell phone. And I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> Immediately, scam went up, right. right, pyramid like, scheme scam, for real. Like, scam, like, boy, get out of my phone with this, right? So I ignored him. Right? I'm like, all right, bro, whatever. I'm not trying to hear that. So that was November. He called me again in December. Like, man, bro, I'm in Chicago. I want to link with you. I want to sit down with you and just show you what I'm talking about. So I said, okay, bro, cool. So I end up linking up with him. And he showed me Forex, right? Just gave me like a very, um, very basic overview of what Forex was, but it did pique my interest just a little bit. But um, what kind of what kind of discouraged me was there was an initial sign up fee and then a monthly fee, right? Mm. So you know, black people, we see monthly fee, we automatically mm. think bill. Like, nope, I'm not trying to do that, <laughs> right? So that was in December. 
I would say about January, it took me about a month to 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 think it over the opportunity. And then I tell you exactly when I started forex trading. It was the weekend of Martin Luther King's birthday, that holiday weekend. Mm -hmm. Particular year, it snowed really, really bad in Chicago. So, like, I was stuck in the house from that Friday. Then I got off work. Monday, we were off. Tuesday, I had to go back to work. So, the um, platform that I was with at that time was called iMarkets Live. And they have, like, um, a basic education, educational software that you can go through, do classes um, online at your own pace. And I went through the whole course within a matter of like three or four days, right? Went through the whole course, and then I immediately started trading right afterwards. So probably Tra wait, trading, yeah. trading. Like, I looked at, I looked at the videos, and it was very like for me. I'm a visual learner, so it only takes me one time to see something, and I got it right. I, that's just the gift that I have. So I, I looked at the videos for about three or four days straight, right? And it goes from like level 100 to 300. Um, did that in a matter of like three or four days. And by that next week, I was ready to trade live. My very first trade that I did, I think I made about $2,000. Beginner's luck, right? First first trade. Did not happen thereafter too often, right? But like my first trade, it was like, okay, damn, I made $2,000. That's almost equivalent to half of my paycheck going to a job, punching a clock, dealing with kids, dealing with administrators, dealing with... <laughs> So right. you made it, that in like seconds and minutes? And probably in about, at that time I was trading cryptocurrency and that was a uh, Ripple XRP. That's when that uh, currency just became popular. So I would say within a matter of like 15, 20 minutes, I made about $2,000. So I was like, oh shit, this is something I may want to pay attention to. Yeah. And so like for that first year, I kind of played with it. Like I dallied with it. You know, I was still going to work. And because my mindset wasn't there yet, right? And what people have to understand is when it comes to any type of trading, whether you're doing stock trading, forex trading, any type of investing, there's a particular mindset one must, one, one must possess, right? And at that time, I did not possess the proper mindset. So I didn't really take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, I was dabbling in it. Yeah, I was learning how to forex trade, but I didn't take it serious. I didn't take it serious to about uh that was i would say january 2018 is when i started i would say about july of 2018 i started taking a little bit more serious right right so when i looked at forex and i just really gone it really dawned on me on the fact that my first very first trade i made two thousand dollars accidentally right with no effort like i didn't know really nothing about the skill set i just watched a couple of videos so i'm like what happens if i really just apply myself to this shit, right if i really just sit down, allocate time to learn it, will I be able to walk away from my job? So my plan, July July of 2018, was to be able to resign from my job June 2020, which was this year, right? It just passed. Right. So I was able to do it a whole year before, right? Just, and like, you know, I tell all my students who I teach, because I like, I teach people all over the world, like Jamaica, I got people in South Africa, I got people in Tanzania, Nigeria, all across the United States. I tell everybody, like, you know, money is energy, right? And once people really understand what money is, right? Like, money is just not paper dollars and coins. It's actual energy. And I, and I tell people, just really think about it. When you go to work, right, you exert energy on your job. In exchange for you exerting that energy on your job, your boss, said job, gives you a paycheck, Right. So they say, hey, in exchange for this amount of energy that you're going to exert, we're going to give you this much monetarily, 
right? And what I realized being a dean, no matter how much energy I exerted, how much I got cussed out by students, how much parents came up and cussed me out because I suspended a kid, no matter how many teachers got pissed off at me because I gave them a bogus evaluation because their classroom management sucked, no matter how much bullshit I had to deal with, I was still only going to make $95,000 a year. No yeah. matter if I worked 11 hours a day or 15 hours a day, if I worked goddamn it, 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week, I was only going to get paid $95,000 yeah. a year, right? Mm -hmm. So you're telling me no matter how much energy I exert, this is how much you feel that I'm worth, right? So when you think about it, when you're working for money and you're exchanging your energy for that money, right? I was like, why am I exerting energy in a building where they're only going to give me $95,000 a year when I can exert the same energy into me and have unlimited income potential and live the life that I want to live, right? So once I started to look at it from that lens, it was over with. It was, yeah. I'm, I'm never going back to work for anybody. Yeah. So yeah. at that point, I'm always an educator and I'm always a student. I'm always forever learning. But, you know, I always tell people it's about passion, purpose, and destiny. My passion has always been to teach. Right. Like when I first before I became a teacher, I was teaching footwork. Right. I had an after school program called the Juke Institute. That's how me and Kenyatta even met. Like Dr. Starks mm -hmm. how we met. Had an after school program teaching kids how to footwork. That led to me becoming a, a student um, advocate, which became me becoming a teacher, which led to me becoming a dean. So like that was my passion to teach. Right. To instill discipline in kids in schools. But now that passion has led me to my purpose. My purpose now, I'm still living in my passion of teaching, but now my purpose is to teach adults financial literacy. Because in schools, all we've been teaching kids to do, all we've been taught to do was we've been taught to pass the test, right? We've been taught to pass the test. And we have been programmed differently from the way the wealthy program their children, right? There's a different mindset. You have a wealthy mindset and a poor mindset. It doesn't matter how much money you make that determines the mindset that you have. Right. So let's just and I'll hate to go off on tangent. I'm still gonna get back to Forex, but it's all tying into like brother, keep talking. <laughs> so let's just talk about it, right? Let's talk about how the wealthy raise their children, how the poor raise their children, right? It's a mindset, it has nothing to do with the amount of money you have, it's a mindset. Wealthy people, wait, let me say this: poor people ask their children, What do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And the kid's going to say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a pediatrician. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a basketball player, football player, whatever. Right. They ask them, what do you want to be? Right. That's the question poor people ask their children. The wealthy don't ask their children. that. The wealthy ask their children, what are you passionate about? What is your passion? What are you passionate about? Right. And there's a difference between what you're passionate about and what do you want to be? Mm -hmm. a big difference. Right. Mm -hmm. So when that wealthy person, when, when, a, when a poor That's person right. asks their kids, what do you want to be? Right. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. I want to be that. You're already saying that you want to go work for someone. Right. Mm -hmm. You're already saying, hey, I want a job where someone is paying me a paycheck to to perform a specific duty. Right. And that's we learn that as kids. Right. The wealthy don't ask their children. that. They say, what are you passionate about? And that kid can say, hey, I'm passionate about dancing. What do the wealthy do? As soon as that kid say I'm passionate about dancing, that kid could have said that at five years old. They're going to find every program at five years old to put that kid into, right, to develop their passion of dancing, right? And then once they're five years old, let's just say they go to high school, what do they do? They send them to a performing arts high school, right? So they can still live in their passion of dancing. They graduate high school, where do they go? A performing arts college, right? Still living in their passion. Then once they graduate from college, from that performing arts college, one of two things happens. If they're good enough, 
they go and dance for a professional dance academy, right? A professional dance company, Joffrey Ballet, whatever. They still living in their passion, living out their dream. Or if they don't go dance for a professional dance company, their parents who are wealthy have enough money to open up a dance studio for them and they're teaching kids how to dance. So they're still living in their passion, right? So whenever you're passionate about something, the money is going to come. The money is a byproduct of your passion. Michael Jordan, all these all these sports players are million millionaires and billionaires because they are passionate about the sport. Mm-hmm. And by you being passionate about something, it leads the, the money is going to come to you. It's a byproduct of the energy that you're exerting. Right. So it, it's sad that poor people ask their kids, what do you want to be? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer or whatever, whatever. But those kids and they go on to be a doctor, be a lawyer. But those are the same people who hate their fucking jobs. They hate getting up, going to work in the morning. They hate going to that hospital. They hate showing up in that courtroom because it's <laughs> yeah. not passionate about it, yeah. right? But meanwhile, you got that kid who, hey, what are you passionate about dancing? Okay, cool. They love getting up, going to their dance studio in the morning because they love what they do. They love helping kids. They love teaching people how to dance. They love seeing that light bulb come off. I mean, come on when, they, when the kid has that aha moment when it comes to a specific dance move on how to do it, right? Yeah. We're teaching. So my passion hasn't changed. My purpose has changed. Right. So it's like now what I've seen just you know, being a 36 year old black male in America, no one has ever taught our people about finances. No one has ever taught us about credit. No one has ever taught us about banking, insurance, Forex, stocks, any of that. Right. So anytime I don't know what Forex is. And here's the thing, though. Right. So (laughs) it goes back to that wealthy mindset and poor mindset. Right. And I tell people. It does not matter how much money you make that determines the mindset that you have, right? So let's just talk about it. Poor mindset, wealthy mindset, right? You can make $5,000 a week or you can make $500 a week, right? You can make $5,000 a week, but if you have a poor mindset, you're going to spend that money as fast as you made it. You can make $500 a week, but if you have a wealthy mindset, you're going to save some of that money, right? So let's just talk about it. The person who makes $5,000 a week, which is typically, let's just say in our community, somebody make $5,000 a week. We have a notion in our community that we spend that shit and do what? Get it right back, right? We say it in all yeah. our songs. I uh-huh. they get it right back, right? Yeah. But yeah. let's look at the root word of spend. The root word of spend is end. So if you keep spending your money, your money is going to come to an end, right? So right. that person who's making $5,000 a week, if they spend all their money, they don't have any money at the end of the week, right? But they're making $5,000 a week. Meanwhile, you have the person who make $500 a week. They're not spending their whole 500. They're saving three. They're spending two. But at the end of the month, at the end of four weeks, who's going to have the most money? The person making $500 a week or the person making $5,000 a week? Right. The person making right. 500, right? right? Because it's a mindset. So right. when we look at those two different mindsets, poor mindset and wealthy mindsets, there's three M's when it comes to money. First M is make money. Right. Yeah. We all know how to make Let's money. Do that. Regardless of your mindset, poor or wealthy mindset, we can agree that everyone knows how to make money. Right. We know how to make ends meet. Some of us come from single parents, single single mothers who work two jobs. We know how to make ends meet. We know how to make a dollar out of 15 cents, right? We know how to make some money, right? right? Both mindsets. But where the mindsets diverge is the second M of money, which is manage money, right? Mm-hmm. Manage money. Poor mindset people don't know how to manage money. Wealthy mindset people know how to manage money, right? Which leads us to the third M of money, which is multiply money. Last time I checked, zero times zero is zero. If you don't have any money saved, you cannot multiply money. But if you have money saved, you can take that money that you save, put it in investment vehicles and start making that money work for you. So now you're no you're no longer working for money. You're making your money work for you. Right. So I got into an argument the other day 
with someone about just what's going on with the with the riots in Chicago and the looting and all this other stuff. And somebody was like, well, you know, black people ain't never had nothing. And, you know, that's the reason why people are looting. I'm like, true, granted, black people ain't never had nothing, but it's the mentality. It's the it's the it's the mindset that we have, right? Because we can't say black people ain't never had nothing. That's why we don't have nothing. No, it's the mindset that we've been conditioned to have, right? Because let's just look at it. There are plenty of immigrants that come to America. They're in worse situations than us. Like I got people, I just came back from Jamaica two weeks ago. I'm teaching a whole group of people in Jamaica out of Forex trade. They're in a whole dire situation than we are here in America. Those people make $200 a month U.S., right? $200 a month U.S. wouldn't do shit for anybody in America. Let's just be honest. Right. I can't do nothing for 200 U.S. But those people, right, they will come from Jamaica where they only made 200 U.S. a month, come to America, right, and they'll work two or three jobs, man, right? When we, oh. That's what we know Jamaicans for, right? Yeah. They'll work two or three jobs, right, because they're making money. But they have a different mentality from African-Americans born here in America, right? We both black, but it's a different mentality. They have a mentality of they make money just like we make money, but they save and manage their money properly. They don't go buy Gucci and 100, $250 mics and shit and you on Section 8. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? You got a $200 shoes, but you, your rent is $25 a month. Make it make sense, right? But we put up all these excuses as to why we can't become wealthy. But other immigrants come from this come to this country with a different mindset. They make the money. They manage the money properly. And then what do they do? They take the money that they save and then they come open up businesses in our communities all the time. Right. Let's just look at it. Let's just talk about it. The Arabs, the Chinese, the Indians, everybody come from these poor countries with no money. They come here. They make their money. They work together. They manage their money. And then they open up businesses in our community and they circulate that money amongst themselves. Right. So we, we making the money. We managing the money. We multiplying the money. Exactly. Right. That's that's right. We're going to throw that up there. Make the money, manage the money, multiply the money. African-Americans aren't taught that, though. So that's why we remain impoverished in America, right? Other nationalities are taught that in their countries. That's instilled in them, right? So they have that pride. So when those people come over here, they see opportunity, right? They see the opportunity in America and they seize it. Meanwhile, we, we live here in America. We have the same opportunities, but because we have a different mindset, we don't see them. You get what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, for sure. Let me ask you the question, though. So let's just say I'm not frivolous with my loot. Let's say I have my money and I save my money. And then, you know, there's setbacks that happen, you know, with life. Somebody gets sick or what have you. Things happen. My car breaks down. So so even though I have some money, you know, I lose some of my savings and, you know, I got this thing. How do I overcome the fear of I've worked so hard for these little dollars? These these right here. Because here's the thing, it's it's energy, right? Here's the thing, and I and like I do a morning talk. I have a morning little motivation class that I do every morning at nine a.m. And this is it's funny that I just talked about this, right? People, when when you live in a position of lack, right? If you in that fear, like fear and faith can't dwell in the same place, right? Like I know we like we hear that a lot. I'm not a religious person, but I'm very spiritual. Faith and fear cannot dwell in the same place. If you are living in fear, you're living in a place of lack, right? How you just said, like, people are holding on to their money, like, oh, shit, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. When all you're focusing on is the lack, right, all you're going to do is be able to survive, right? Because all you're thinking about is what you don't have. 
right? I don't want to give up anything because I don't have anything. So where's your focus? Your focus is on maintaining what you have instead of trying to building what you have. You get what I'm saying? So I do. Times, so a lot of times, like poor people, right? We're, we're more concerned about, man, I don't want to give up anything, right? I don't like what I do. Every time I make money every day at 11 p.m., I do the exact same thing every day, right? I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't have a nine to five job. So I do credit repair. I do Forex. I do financial consulting. I do a lot of things, right? But at the end of the day, 11 p.m., no matter how much money I made, I do I do three things. 10% I tithe, 10% I save, and 10% I invest. And the other 70% is I do whatever I want to do with it, right? But- in order repeat that. To, repeat that. If yeah, let's do that. Let's do so, the tens. The tens. <laughs> so if I make a hundred dollars today, ten dollars is going. I'm a, I'm a tie ten dollars, right? You can tie to whether whatever organization, church, synagogue, mosque, whatever you want to do, right? Ten percent goes into my savings account, mm -hmm. and ten percent I invest. So ten dollars investing, ten dollars saving, ten dollars tithing, right? And what people don't understand is the power of tithing. In order to receive, you have to give. Right. You can't receive any money if your hand is closed. Right. So if you're if you're scared to let go of the money, the money's not going to come to you. It's all energy. Right. So I tell people like people say, hey, I want to become wealthy. OK, there's nothing stopping you from being wealthy. But you. Right. Wealth is determined by the high level of energy that you put out. Let's look at Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos just made, goddamn it, I think, 100. He's worth one hundred ninety seven billion dollars today. That just he happened to that bread. He yeah. like $2.6 billion. a billionaire. Right. He, yeah. he paid $2.6 billion today alone because of the energy that he puts out with Amazon. Amazon right. has so many different products that the money is always going to keep rolling in. Right. So people ask, like, okay, Ryan, how can I change my financial situation? You have to kick up a high level of energy. Right. So I have multiple streams of income because I have multiple energy that I'm putting out. Right. So I have a lot of money coming in. So I do Forex trading. That's one That's one stream of income. I do credit repair. That's another stream of income. I teach people how to do credit repair and start their own credit repair business. That's another stream of income. I have two eBooks. That's another stream of income. I have um, affiliations with um, lenders. So if I refer somebody for a loan, I get a commission off of that, right? Yeah. Got Airbnb properties. So it's just like the more energy that you're putting out, the more output, the more input you're going to get, right? Yeah. So you can't expect to become a millionaire if all you got is one fucking job, right? right. If all you're making is one stream of income, how do you right. expect to become a millionaire? You won't have to work right. your whole life to become a millionaire, right? right? So you have to output a high level of energy in order to get that high input of money back in, right? So let's talk about Forex. I was going to just ask, break that down for us. So let's talk break about Forex. Yes, let's do Forex. it. Forex, guys is simply an abbreviation <laughs> or an acronym for the foreign exchange market, okay? Oh, it's, really? It's the, the over-the-counter market in which the foreign currencies of the world are traded, and it's considered the largest and most liquid market in the world, okay? It's a $6.6 .6 trillion a day market. I when thought I it was like a mixture between Bitcoin and Fortnite or something, no. some video game. <laughs> <laughs> some video game currency or something. No, but you know, okay. So... When we're talking about the foreign exchange market, we are simply talking about the exchange rate of one currency for another, right? So let's just say, for example, um, and Bitcoin is is a currency, it's a cryptocurrency, right? So you have centralized currencies and you have cryptocurrency. Centralized currencies are currencies that are issued by a country or a government, right? So the U.S. dollar is issued by the U.S. government, right? Peso is issued by the Mexican government. The Canadian dollar is issued by the Canadian government, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the euro is issued by the European Union. The Great British Pound is implemented by Great Britain, right? So when we're talking about the foreign exchange market, we are simply talking about exchanging one currency for another. That is the actual foreign exchange market. So say, for example, we go to Mexico, we trade in 100 US dollars, they give us 150 Mexican pesos. Okay, cool. We have a good time. We turn up, we get ready to come back. We exchange those 150 pesos. You're expecting to get $100 back. That's what you initially exchange. However, that may not be the case. You may turn in those 150 pesos, expect to get $100 back, and you get $125 back because the value of the U.S. dollar has gone up and the value of the peso right. has gone down. Right. On the flip side of that, you may turn in those 150 pesos, expect to get $100 back, but instead you get $75 back U.S. because the value of the U.S. dollar has gone down and the value of the peso has gone up. Right? Mm-hmm. So all the foreign exchange market is, is exchanging one currency for another. It's the exchange rate. Right? And how much you will get for another currency if you exchange it. That's it. That's the foreign exchange market. That's not Forex trading, though. Okay? Forex trading, what we do, we place bets. We don't buy anything. We're not buying or exchanging any currencies. We're placing bets called buys and sales. Okay? And basically, with those bets, you are predicting which way the market is about to move. So if I want to place a bet called a buy, that means I believe the U.S. dollar is about to become stronger over the, over the Mexican peso. And if it goes up, if the value of the U.S. dollar goes up, I win, right? Oh, no, I'm playing roulette. On the flip side, you you can do what's called a sale. That means you believe the value of the U.S. dollar is going to go down, right? And if it goes down, you win. If it goes up, you lose. So it's basically like Vegas on steroids, right? You're betting on a currency. You're basically betting on the economy, right? So when you think about the Mexican peso and the U.S. dollar, you're basically saying you're betting the Mexican economy versus the U.S. economy. Which economy at this time is going to go up or which one is going to go down? That's all you're betting on, right? Mm. And I teach people how to be able to look into the market to predict, okay, is the currency about to go up or is the currency about to go down? That's all we do. So we just place bets all day long, which way is it moving? And there's 42 different currency pairs that you can you can trade, right? You can trade Canadian dollar to the Great British Pound, Canadian dollar to the New Zealand dollar, Canadian dollar to the U.S. dollar, Canadian dollar to the Japanese yen, Japanese yen to the U.S. dollar. Japanese into the Great British Pound, uh, Euro to the Great British Pound. So there's different uh, combinations that you can that you can bet on. So there's about 45 major ones that you can bet on that are central pairs that are, are backed by a government. Then you also have cryptocurrency, which is Bitcoin. OK, so Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. And what that simply means by being a cryptocurrency, it means it's not backed by any government. Right. So no government can regulate it. Like the U.S. government regulates the U.S. dollar, right? The Fed, the Federal Reserve is what controls the U.S. dollar. They come in and tell us, okay, how much is the U.S. dollar worth? Oh, it's worth a dollar twenty-five cents. Oh, it's worth actually just one dollar. It's worth a dollar fifteen cents, right? So they're the ones who control that. When it comes to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, there, quote unquote, there is no one person that controls it. But we know if if somebody invented it, somebody controls it, right? So let's just right. But quote unquote, no one knows how Bitcoin was created. Who created it? No one knows, but people are, are buying it. So with Bitcoin, there's two ways to invest in Bitcoin, right? You can do the Forex way, which is betting on which way Bitcoin is going to go. Is Bitcoin going to go from 12000 a coin to 15000 a coin? You place a bet. If it goes three up $3,000 in value, you win. If you say, hey, I believe it's going to go to 15000 but instead it went from twelve to 11000 you lost, right? So with Bitcoin, you can place a bet on it. Right. Or you can invest in Bitcoin like a stock. Right. So meaning, OK, you could take one hundred dollars 
and one Bitcoin is worth right now, I think $12,000, right? So that $100 that you just purchased will give you 0. 0.000 whatever of one Bitcoin, right? If one Bitcoin is worth 12,000, so 12,000 divided by 100 will be that 0. 0.000 whatever that you have, percentage of a Bitcoin. And as that Bitcoin, as Bitcoin goes up in price, say like, okay, right now, you bought $100 worth of Bitcoin, it was at $12,000 a coin, right? If Bitcoin goes up to $13,000 a coin, that $100 that you put in is now worth about $200. It doubled in price because the value of Bitcoin went up $1,000 in price. So your investment went up, it doubled. It went up to $200 in price. So there's two different ways that you can invest in Bitcoin, right? Either you can trade it or you can invest into it. Um, and another thing is like with Forex, it doesn't matter which way the market is moving. If the market is moving up or moving down, right? Because you're placing a bet. You just need to know which direction to place your bet in. That's it. Different in the stock market. In the stock market, you only make money if the stock is going up. Right. That stock is going down, you're losing money. Right. right? So that's why I tell people there's a major difference between the stock market and the foreign exchange market. Stock market, one, you're investing into a company. You're purchasing shares of a company. And you're only making money if that company is performing well in the market. Right. So like Tesla. In April, Tesla was worth seven hundred dollars a share. Now it's worth fourteen hundred dollars a share. So if you mm-hmm. if you took seven hundred dollars and bought one share of Tesla in April, you would have doubled your investment right now because now it's worth fourteen hundred dollars a share. Now right? take it and run. Right, I but now run. if it falls from fourteen hundred down to four hundred, you lost your initial investment. Remember, your initial investment was seven hundred. So you really, in all actuality, you lost three hundred now. Right, right? now the yeah. are Exactly. Yeah. So with forex. It doesn't matter which way is if it's going up or going down. You just need to know which way to bet, right? So that and you teach time. and you teach which way to navigate it. Exactly. exactly. I'm like that emoji, man. I'm like, yeah. Now, you know so what I'm a lot of people and see a lot of people think forex forex trading is difficult. It's not difficult at all. So right? what are we studying? What are some of the things like? Do you look at um, do you look at the news of what's going on in so, in a country? The, the yeah. uh, no. If there, if people are, there's an uprising. Yep. So you have to look at all, all of that plays into effect on the value of the currency, right? From the news, like just say gold. I'm big on trading gold, right? So gold. When you look at gold, it's called XAUUSD. That's called a symbol pair. So anytime you're dealing with the foreign exchange market, you're going to have six letters. The first three letters represents the first currency or commodity. The last three letters represents the other currency or commodity. So when you're trading gold. The symbol pair is XAUUSD. XAU stands for gold. USD stands for the US dollar. You're looking at gold versus the US dollar. Okay. And when you're looking at that exchange rate, you're looking at one ounce of gold. How many US dollars does it cost to purchase one ounce of gold? Right now, hold on, let me pull up real quick. Right now, the price of gold <laughs> is at $1,993 per ounce. Right. So, Okay. For you to purchase one ounce of gold, you need $1,993. Or you could turn in one ounce of gold and receive $1,993. Either way, that's yeah. called the exchange rate, right? Right. Now, whenever the U.S. economy is doing bad, right, people lose faith in the U.S. dollar and they purchase gold. So that means the value of gold goes up. So all during the pandemic, people have been losing faith in the U.S. dollar. Because we've been on quarantine, we've been on lockdown, we can't move around. So the value of gold has gone up, right? Once we come out of this pandemic, the value of gold is going to fall because people are going to start using the U.S. dollar again. They're going to start going out. They're going to start circulating money in the economy, right? So that's going to drive the price of gold down, right? 
But you'll have you'll have instances where Donald Trump can get on TV and say, uh, China gave us the food, China gave us this virus, and the American economy is coming back, right? And that news that if he tweeted that shit, it will make the US dollar strong for a couple of minutes. And you can catch a, you can make a quick bet on that, right? Because of what he said. And see, the wealthy know how the markets move. So Donald Trump, who's a billionaire, and let's keep in mind he's the only president in American history who was never any type of politician prior to becoming president, right? So he's a businessman. He knows how the American economy works. So mm -hmm. he and his friends know once I get on here and tweet some shit about the US economy, it's gonna it's gonna drive gold down. They're getting in on that trade and they're making money off that. Yeah. And then all you gotta do is come back. Ooh, and I'll right. He come in and say some other goofy stuff. Mm. And it's right back up and they ride the wave right back up. Right. right. It's, it's not it's, it's all about what you know. Knowledge is key, right? Yeah. And this is how the wealthy stay wealthy is because of information that they know and the information that they don't pass to us. Right. right? And what it's readily available for you though. We just don't take the time and, to do the research the and get it to it. Here's yeah. the thing. In our community, in African-American community, right, there's two words that we say a lot, scam and poor, scam and poor. What does scam mean? Scam means you're still confused about money, right? Because anytime black, people, anytime black people are exposed to something different, right, a new way to make money that they're unfamiliar with, <clears throat> you automatically say scam, scam, scam. It goes up in your head, right? Right. Because got to understand <laughs> we have been conditioned as a people black people in america to be workers right. we're not we haven't been conditioned to be bosses that's right. that's we, we weren't trained for that right? right they didn't train us for that our grandparents our great-grandparents our parents and even us have been trained to be workers so when you hear about making ten thousand dollars off your cell phone you automatically think it's a scam because you've never been exposed to that opportunity and that's why people continue to re that's why people continue to remain poor, right? Because they're passing over opportunities repeatedly. That's the definition of poor. So right? some of these things are scams. So do you yeah, know how to spot? What, what, you know, what would be what would you say is the way to spot a scam versus something legit? Because even your first inclination was mm -hmm. uh uh homie scam. Because here's the thing: if you're telling me I can make ten thousand dollars off my cell phone. You're strictly just telling me I'm going to believe it's a scam. But if you can show me right. an app where I can download out of the iPhone store or the Google Play store, right? And millions of people are doing this around the world. I can just go on YouTube, Google Forex, and all this information pop up about Forex, right? And how long it's been around, right? It can't be a scam. Now, if you talk about card cracking, right? If you're saying, hey, give me your debit card. Right. And your pin number, and I'm a, nah. That's a scam, right? right. That's right. see, but see, I I I trust no one, so I'm of the mindset that somebody knew they 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 got really good and they padded their scam, so they know I'm gonna go on YouTube and they put all these YouTube videos up there, so that when I go search, I'm gonna find their scammy ass YouTube videos. That's you how I think. Find, so here's the thing. Now you'll probably find their YouTube video. <laughs> right, but you're also going to find millions of other YouTube videos as well, too. Okay. Right, and then even okay. when you look at the foreign exchange market, there there is I can't scam GBP USD. I can't I can't scam two economies and making a bet on which one is going up or which one is going to go down. Now, what I will say the scam is this: you do have a lot of multi level marketing companies when it comes to forex who are 
trying to recruit people, right, to learn Forex, but they're not teaching people Forex. So that was the problem that I had, right? When I first started this, the person who told me about it was a multi-level marketer. Like, this is what he does. He recruits people, right? So when he initially recruited me, this is the same person who recruited me for World Ventures and a couple of other shit that I did, right? And it was just like, uh... So when he first came at me, I already had that in my mind. Like, bro, I'm not trying to do no world venture shit again. Like, cool. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> right. when I seen it, I'm like, okay, this is education. Either you want it or you don't when it comes to forays because it's a skill set, right? It's just like becoming a beautician, a barber, an electrician, a carpenter, a plumber. You have to go through some formal training in order to become good at it, right? You just can't go to barber school and two weeks later, you graduate and you cut right. back. No, nah, you're gonna be fucking some liners up, bro. Let's just be <laughs> push some people back. Yeah. Maybe you're be right because you ain't spent enough time, right? Right. So when I seen that, and I seen that his focus was recruit, 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 recruit. Keep in mind, I'm an educator, right? right. So I I can't recruit anyone if I can't teach the material, right? Like I'm not about to mm. go tell 15 people about forex trading, and I don't know how to do the shit myself, and I'm not. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? So. I had to step away from a multi-level marketing company and actually go find mentors on my own, right? And I spent a lot of money trying to figure out who was legit, who can do what they can say they can do. And like out of all the money I spent, and I probably had spent money trying to figure out strategies from about 10 different people. It was three people who I really learned from. Uh, one guy that's in uh, Akil Bay, he's down in North Carolina. Orrin Wright, he's in Atlanta. And uh, Tanisha, she's down in Tallahassee, Florida. And like I had to go mm -hmm. a lot of those people, pay for airfare, pay for the hotel room, and pay for their strategy. So yeah. I spent well over like five, six thousand dollars just with those three people alone. And, yeah. over, and this is over a course of three years, though, right? Yeah. So it goes back to that poor mindset and that wealthy mindset. Because right. Some people are here like, damn, you spent six thousand dollars on this shit. Right. Yeah, I spent six thousand dollars learning this shit. So I could be able to not work for nobody anymore. Right. I didn't spend thousand right. dollars going to fucking Nepal, and I still ain't got my return back from that. You know right. what I'm saying? So like, we really got to think about our investments, right? Because we're yeah. quick to go to school and give a person six figures, right, to learn about shit that you learned in high school. Let's just really think about it. The first right. thing is in college is bullshit. Is everything that you learned yeah. in high school? Yeah. All the prerequisites, chemistry, math. Yeah. All that you learn your junior and senior year and in, in, in high school, you learn your freshman and sophomore year in college. Yeah. You don't really do any of your major courses until your junior year, right? Yeah. Your junior senior year. Now you're really starting to get into your major. <laughs> so the first two years, oh. what, what's some bullshit? You know, the college years. So the college years. Let's just think about it. So, you know, when we think about these things, it it, it made me think like, do I want to be able, do I want to have kids and tell my kids, hey, go to college? If that's something they want to do, great. Go ahead. Right? Okay. I'm not going to be that parent that's going to force my kids to go to college because that's the only way I know for people to make money. No. There's millions of ways to make money out here. Right? Like, in Chicago, and like, and it really resonated with me with this 4 trading because, I like, going to the west side, I stay in South Shore. So I have to get on Lakeshore Drive every day to go to the west side to Marshall. Right? Yeah. And I wouldn't go get on Lakeshore Drive, wrap around to the Dan Ryan, then get on 290. I would go Lakeshore Drive to Congress, take Congress over, and then get on get on 290. Yeah. And every morning that I would drive from my house to Marshall, and it's early as shit, 6, 6.30 in the morning, I would see all these white people jogging on lakefront, right? Like they have no care in the world. 
And it was just like, how is it that I'm getting my ass up every fucking morning and I'm <laughs> to a job and I see these people jogging and walking their dogs and living their best yeah. life and on the days that I may not go to work and I go downtown all day on Rush Street eating and just chilling and just living yeah. life. They're not punching yeah. the clock. Why? Because they have a different mindset. They've been taught to make money, manage it, and they have now they're letting their money work for them. So yeah. those same people who jogging on the lakefront, the same people who eating on Rush Street are the same people who are employing people right now, right? They're the bosses. So all they're doing is leveraging your time, your energy for money. Yeah. Right? So when you I, think, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm listening to you. I was gonna say, so if I want to get started, let's just say, you know, I, let, let's do it. I'm ready. Okay, okay, I'm not scary anymore. I'm about to do it. Okay. So what's a good start off with that starter starter fund, the chunk that okay. I need to do? I need to try to save like hundred dollars. So the first thing I do five hundred. The first thing I do, I have a free online course, right? I do it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's Intro to Forex 101, okay? And I allow everybody to come to that class for free, and it's a basic overview of what Forex is, okay? In that hour, I explain to you what Forex is and how you can make profits in the market, right? And then from that point, people can make an educated decision on if they want to continue to learn Forex, right? Because again, Forex is not for everyone, right? And I tell people, like, when it comes to Forex, there's three principles that you have to master. Patience, discipline, and consistency. You got to master those three things, right? Like, you got to be patient enough to know that you're not about to become a millionaire overnight, right? This is not a get-rich-quick situation. However, it's not get-rich-slow. You have to have discipline to study the market, okay? You have to have discipline to study because we're all adults. No one's going to be calling you like, hey, uh, Trey, did have you been studying forex today, bro? Right. Like, you have to do that. Like we are yeah. wrong, right? So you yeah, have to have this. Then you have to have consistency. You can't study this shit once a week and think you're about to become a, a millionaire in forex trading within two months. It's not going to happen. You have to consistently study this market. So I tell people like, if you don't have two, three hours a day for about three to four days a week for eight to ten weeks, then you're not giving yourself enough time to develop the skill set. Right, yeah. because we live in a we live in a society where we live in a microwave society, right? Mm -hmm. Where we yeah. want everything instant, right? We want that shit just I want it right now, right? Because that's the, the world that we live in. Everything is instantaneous. But we have to keep in mind that some things require the stove, some things require a crock pot, some things require the oven, right? Mm -hmm. You can't put chicken in a microwave and when it's raw and think that shit is gonna be done because you put it on 26 minutes in a microwave. Right. It's gonna I'm be good. it's gonna be yeah. cooked, but is the shit done? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, is it done? Like, you could take a pizza and it from the from the freezer, put it in the microwave. It's gonna be done, but is it ready though? Yeah, but is it ready? I got you. So, making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to just think about these things. Like when we say we want wealth, right? We want to acquire things. No one becomes wealthy overnight, right? No one becomes wealthy overnight. And when you think about all of the billionaires and millionaires especially like way way back in the day when you think about the andrew carnegie's the rockefellers the people who didn't have shit right they became millionaires and billionaires and bears of their industry because of their mentality right they had a mentality that no matter what the fuck is going on i'm going to be rich like right. i already know no matter what the fuck is going on i'm going to be a billionaire before i die it's already done it's already written right yeah. and long as i can see it right if i can see it in front of me i'm going to keep working towards that yeah. And so many people get caught up in the moment of yeah. 
right? Like how you said that that fear of lack, right? You said people yeah. are scared to spend that money because they're fearful and they have that they have that lack, so they're in survival mode, right? Yeah. And whenever yeah. you're in survival mode, you can never thrive because all you're trying to do is survive, right? right? But what people don't do is they don't take that moment to just look at where you are in your life right now. Even though you're scared, you're fearful, you're, you're lacking certain things, look at where you at right now in your life. Just pause, look at where you at. And then just take a look back over your life and just think about all the shit that you went through, all the times that you felt you weren't gonna make it. But here you are right here again, you've made it through all those situations and here's another situation. So if you'd have made it through 15,000 other fucking situations in your life before, why can't you overcome this situation now? Yeah. Right. You know, it's yeah. just it's it's yeah, a, just it's, a it's a mental thing, and people defeat themselves because they focus on the negative things instead of the positive things. Right. Yeah. It's easy for me to say I'm gonna be a billionaire because I know I'm gonna keep working at it. If I keep right. working at it, the shit is eventually going to happen. Right. 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 But if I say I want to be a billionaire, and then I start feeding myself all these reasons why I can't be a billionaire. Well, my daddy was a crackhead. My mom only had a high school education. Ooh. <laughs> Ain't nobody in the family made right. it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All my uncles sell drugs. They only are they crackheads now. And yeah. all my aunties and you know got degrees and shit. If that's what I thought about, then I'm not focused on achieving my goals. I'm focused yeah. on why I can't achieve my goals. Yeah. Touch on this real quick. Touch on this. Uh, you talked about credit, man. Okay. You do a lot of credit repair. Um, without delving into all of the steps, of course, to, you know, complete and clear your credit. Start with how do I start and what do I need to, you know, get off to complete my, to get my credit right? You know, what's my first few steps? So first few steps is first thing you need to do is know how to analyze a credit report from a creditor standpoint and not a consumer standpoint. It's very important how you look at your credit report because you can look at your credit report and be like, oh, well, shit. I ain't really got too much stuff on there, right? Like I, I only got a couple student loans. I got one closed account, but I paid that. You know what I'm saying? But that's from a consumer standpoint. But from a creditor standpoint, they look like, hmm, you got these student loans. Why should I lend you more credit if you still got all the student loan debt? I know the student loan debt is going to trump you paying anything else, right? You paying me too. Okay, yes, you had a credit card. It's closed. You paid it out. But you pay clothes as agreed, so that means you didn't pay what you initially owed, right? You 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 may have your car may have been five hundred, you settled for three hundred, right? So you didn't pay the full amount. So do I really want to extend you credit? You know what I'm saying? So that's the first step: learning how to analyze your credit report from a consumer standpoint. I mean, from a creditor standpoint versus a consumer standpoint. That's the first thing. Second is if you have collections, right? If you have collections on your account. You have to know that you legally do not owe those collections, right? And this is where a lot of people mess up at when it comes to credit repair and when it comes to their credit because we're not taught these things, right? We think if you got a collection on your report that you need to pay the collection to get that off. Yes or no? Is that fair to say? Is that fair to Damn say? Damn fair. Yes. Yeah, I thought for at least seven years, they'll, it'll hang there for seven years. So let me tell you why. Let me tell you why legally you don't owe that collection, right? And this is what people don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's just say Sprint, for example. You go to the Sprint store, you open up a Sprint account, you get a phone, and you do like the average black person does. You get got four or five lines on the shit, and you burn your line up. You burn your account up, right? So now you owe Sprint $1,500. Sprint cut off everybody's phone, right? And you owe this $1,500. So what does Sprint do? Sprint calls you first and say, hey, Trey, we know you owe $1,500. 
We're just calling to collect our money, right? You ignore them. You see the Sprint number. You're the 188 number. You know what Sprint? You, you ignore the shit, right? So Sprint says, hey, we've been pursuing you for the past two months to try to get this account cleared. You've been ignoring us. They tell you we're sending it to collections. This is your last chance. You say, oh, shit, I'll go fuck sent to collections. I still ain't paying it, right? That's just that's what we do. So it gets sent to collections, right? Now, you have the collection agency getting in contact with you saying, hey, trade, this is ABC Collections calling on a recorded line on behalf of Sprint in regards to a debt that you owe Sprint, right? Is this Trey? You say, yeah, this is Trey. And they say, okay, Trey, can you just give us the last four digits of your social? And you say, okay, one, two, three, four, right? Now, what you don't know prior to that point is what Sprint did, when Sprint sends your account to collections, right? Sprint has one of two options to do. Option number one, the company can write off your account with the U.S. government and lower their tax bracket, right, as a company. So they'll just absolve it, right? So they'll they'll write it off, and it appear on your credit report. It'll say uh, write-off, right? It'll say profit loss write-off on your credit report. That means that Sprint got rid of that debt. They said, fuck it. We're not even going to pursue you for the 1500 We're just going to chop it up as a loss. But it, stays the L, keep report, but it stays on your credit report, right? It doesn't go on as a collection. It just they just add a remark that says, "Hey, we closed this account out. It was a profit loss. We chopped it up as a loss, right?" That's option number one. Or option number two, what they can do, and they have the legal right to do this, is to sell your account information to a collection agency, right? So you owe fifteen hundred. What they'll do, they'll sell your account information. Keyword information. They'll sell your account information to ABC Collection. You owe fifteen hundred, but they'll sell it to them. For pennies on a dollar, so they sell it to them for three hundred bucks. Okay, three hundred dollars. They sold your account information. Now that collection agency, what they do is they call you and say, "Hey, Trey, this is ABC Collection calling um, on a recorded line on behalf of Sprint in attempt to collect the debt." We That's see what that they say. Owe, That's a right, script. Right, this is script. We see that you owe Sprint fifteen hundred dollars, but if you're willing today to settle, we can lower that and we can get this solved. We can get this resolved today. Now, in your mind. You like, well, shit, I owe y'all 1500 How much y'all talking about selling? <laughs> right, so, right. Hey, we know you owe 15 We're willing to do half. We can do it for seven, 750 How does that sound? You say, well, shit, that's half. That sounds good. Are y'all going to take it off my credit report? And they say, yeah, we're going to take it off your credit report. So you say, okay, cool, right? So now, keep in mind, you owe 1500 They said, okay, we're going to sell it for 750 Sprint sold it to them for 300 They making $450 out the deal. If you agree to that 750, right? Now, what happens is this. As soon as you say, yeah, I agree, what the collection agency says is, hey, give us your email address, right? And we're going to email you the contract, the paperwork. We just need you to sign that and send it back over to us to it. Send that back over to us and we can get you started today. You say, okay, cool. They send you the paperwork. You sign the contract. Now, what has happened you have went into a legally binding contract with the collection agency for that debt. Prior to that, your contract that you had was with Sprint, right? And Sprint you, dissolved you entered, this debt. You entered an agreement with the original creditor, Sprint. That's who you owe, right? I so feel like I got got somewhere before. This sounded familiar. Sends you that paperwork and you sign on the dotted line to give them money. Now they can pursue you legally for that debt. Prior to that, they had you had no obligation, no legal obligation with the collection agency. All wow. you had was was you was just 
verbally saying it was you, confirming that it was you by way of your social security number and the phone number that they called you on. But once you sign that paperwork, now you're obligated to pay the collection agency. And if you don't pay the collection agency, now they can take you to court and put a judgment on your credit. Yeah. Right. Because you yeah. entered a legally binding contract with them when you agreed to pay for the seven fifty or seven fifteen hundred. Wow. But when we don't know our rights as consumers, we get fucked every time. So if they were they absolved it, but it's still on my credit, the write off. How how does the write off hit my report? Like how does the the a creditor mm-hmm. see that? How does a creditor so, see a write off? So that account. So just say you had a Sprint account, right? Mm-hmm. That Sprint account is still going to show on your credit report, right? It's going to say Sprint or whoever the company was, Sprint, Verizon, whatever. And then in the remarks, it will say profit loss write off. It will say paid as agreed or it will yeah. sent to collections. It will say one of those three things on your credit report. So you have to physically look on the credit report. So the same way that you can see that remark on your credit report, original credit, I mean, new creditors that you're trying to get credit from can see those remarks too. So the way you remove that is by disputing the closed account, right? So even though the account is closed, you can write it to the credit bureau to say, hey, I want to get this removed because it can be removed legally, right? Under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you can have that removed legally by being a closed account. What you cannot remove are open accounts, right? So you can't remove an open account, but you can remove any closed account, right? And then the way you do that, and see, a lot of people don't know don't know that you can go in and dispute the account right after it's closed. So just say, like with the sprint, with the sprint example, you owe $1,500. They said, Hey, we close it, we treat it as a profit loss write-off, right? So that means that this debt is no longer in for anybody, right? The the sprint company is no longer they're they're not responsible for it, they don't have to worry about paying it because they wrote it off. And you don't have to worry about paying it. So if it's closed and no one has to worry about paying anything, remove this from my credit report. So Equifax don't care either? Well, they care as long as it sits there. But if I get it removed, nobody cares? Nobody cares. As long as it's there, they care. They care because they can see it. They can see it. Mm -hmm. They can see it, right? So even like with student loans, and I tell people, you can get student loans removed from your credit report, right? If If you have federal student loans, right? U.S. Department of Education, Navient, whoever. The way you get those student loans removed, first you have to let your account go into default, right? You gotta let it. You're gonna have to take a hit. You gotta take a hit. Yeah. You gotta let it go into default, right? And then once it goes into default, the U.S. government is going to close your account, right? They're gonna close it, right? Because we all know most of our student loans are either with Fair Loan Services or Navient or whatever, right? It's with a third party. So once you don't pay that third party, the third party closes your account and they send it back to the U.S. Department of Education, the original creditor, right? They send it back to them. Once they close it out, once Navient closes out your account, then you can go in and dispute it and get it removed. You still owe student loan debt. Don't think just because the shit is off your credit report that you don't, that you don't owe student loan debt. You still owe student loan debt. However, the information is no longer going to appear in your credit report, which is going to make it seem to new creditors that you don't have any student loan debt. You get what I'm saying? So you know you still got student loan debt. However, when they run your credit report, they don't see the student loans on there anymore because you got them removed. But the so only way dispute, you can do it has to be closed. So dispute closed accounts is what you're saying. Dispute closed accounts. Any closed okay. account, any closed account disputed, 
and any collection disputed if you have not entered into a contract agreement with the collection agency. Wow, bro. That, that right there, that was like a gold nugget that you just sent out because I'm sure a lot of people watching this. How many yeah. don't know? Yeah. Not owe a collection. This is you can go Google it. Like you don't owe the collection agency. They are not the original creditor. You don't wow. have a contract with them. And, and and especially things with like Sprint. I just really want y'all to think about this. Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, shit, Comcast, yeah. Dish Network, AT&T, shit, People's Gas, Comcast, yeah. any of these utilities and cell phone companies and cable bills. Really think about it. Did you sign a contract with any of them? No. When do you do you remember signing a contract? No, it was over the phone. Your like they, do right, you remember no. signing a contract for any of your cable bills? You made a verbal agreement on the phone, so they legitimately, oh. legally can't even prove that it was you who opened up this account. You don't have my name. <laughs> you don't have my name. Technically speaking, because everything everything is contractual law in America, right? Everything comes down to contractual law. You have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that I was the one who opened this account. If you don't have all you have is my birthday, my name, and my social, anybody can have that shit. You don't have my physical signature on anything. So therefore, you cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it was me who opened up this account. So it's not about it's not about what you do, it's about how you say it, right? And yeah. once you put the proper verbiage in the dispute letters, they know they ain't got no documentation that you signed a goddamn contract with, with Comcast cable. They all right. I have I have one quick question because we're we're running long here. Um, it's so, good stuff though. It's good stuff. It really is. Um, so, is there an order to which you should pay? Let's say you know, like medical bills, pay those last because they don't grow interest, and uh, or so I've been told. And that um, uh, the what is it? The student loans. Everybody's got those, or they can charge them off, and you can get them off, or not charge them off. Close the account, you can get them off your thing. So there's certain things that say, even though you owe all these people equally, let those fall behind and get these off first. So what you want to do is you want to do things simultaneously, right? So if you have, let's just say you got student loan debt and credit card debt, which is the, the average American, right? We got student loan debt and credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Let those student loans go into default. Let them close. Remove those as you're getting though, as you're letting those go into default to get removed eventually. At the same time, you want to be tackling your credit card debt. Okay. Right? And you want to you want to analyze your credit card debt by debt to income ratio, right? Mm -hmm. First. And then you want to look at utilization rate, right? So you want to tackle the cards not to have the highest balance, but have but have the highest utilization rate, right? So say for example. You have, um, I don't know, let's say American Express card that has a limit of $5,000 on it, right? And you didn't use, uh, let's say, about mm, $2,500, right? So you use 50% of your card, right? Yes. So you owe $2,500 on that card. That's 50% utilization rate. Well, let's just say you got a Capital One card, right, that has a $1,000 limit, and you've used $900 of that. So you use 90% of your limit. You need to tackle that Capital One card first, right? Even though you have a higher know. balance, even though you have a higher balance on American Express card, your utilization rate is higher on that Capital One card because you're at 90% utilization. So you want to tackle that first. 
right? Okay. Because you never want any of your credit cards to go over 30% utilization. Oh, well. But if you got $1,000, if you got a $1,000 limit, you shouldn't spend no more than $300 at a time on that card, right? You okay. always want to keep it. Anytime you go over 30%, that is going to have a drastic effect on your score. Drastic, right? Because your utilization rate is high. The two things that determine your score for the most part is your payment history and your utilization rate, okay? They want to know if you're making your payments and if you're making those payments on time, and they want to make sure that you're not abusing your credit, right? Meaning that you're going over your credit card, going over that utilization rate. Anything over 30% makes them feel that you're not, that you're a high risk, right? If you're over 30%. Anything under 30, 30% and below means that you got a handle on your finances, right? And we know shit happens, right? But when somebody looks at your credit report and you got five credit cards and all your credit cards are, let's just say, 60 to 90 percent utilization that means that uh your finances may not be in order right and you may have something going on but what that shows the creditor is you're using a lot of credit because people use credit when they don't have cash mm -hmm. let's just be honest you use credit when you don't have access to capital so if your utilization rates are high to the credit that means that your capital is low because when your utilization is low that means your capital is high Right. You get what yeah. I'm saying? They're, they're yeah. Adverse effect. So if they see that, if they see that across the board, your utilization rate for all five of these cars total is 90 percent utilization. Oh, hell no. We're not going to approve you for nothing. You can have a 700 credit score. But if that utilization is high, that's just like you having a 500 credit score. You're high risk. What, if, what if I messed up and I started paying my high interest cards down first? And so now I had five credit cards. I'm now down to one, but that one is just under maxed out. But now I got four empty ones. Okay. So are those empty ones still open? Yes, are they are. Okay. So that's good. That's good because that shows that you're working on reducing your utilization rate. Right. And it's not, it's not spread across the board that you have high utilization on all cards. You just got high utilization on one. So if I want, if you wanted to apply for a credit card, an additional credit card, it's like, okay, it looks like you're more responsible because you have five, four are under control, they're at zero. One you're using, okay, we know things happen, okay, let's extend your credit. But if all five okay. was at 90%, oh, hell no. Right. We can't trust you with going around the goddamn, the corner <laughs> to the store. We can't trust you, right? So, you know, Got when it. you think about that, your credit is your report card. Right. That's mm -hmm. all your credit report is, is your report card. It lets people know a mile away whether they want to deal with you or not. Yeah. Right. And last question. Go ahead. Before you uh last question, and we'll we'll let you go. So you told us how to uh clear it. Mm -hmm. How do we help it? How do we raise it? Okay. Throw some tips at me like to, to help boost it. So there's multiple ways you can boost it. Okay. Um, the first thing is called a credit builder loan. Okay, you can get a credit builder loan. And um, the company that does that is one that's really good is self lender. And what they do, they do a certificate of deposit, a CD with the bank. And basically, what you do is you go into an agreement with them. You can either do a two year or one year agreement, depends on how much you want to pay monthly. So let's just say, for example, you want to do the one year agreement. For a year, you will pay $50 a month to self lender. When you pay that $50 a month, they're going to report that to all three credit bureaus as a payment towards an installment loan. 
right? So they're going to say on your credit report that they gave you 650 bucks. And every month you're paying $50 towards that balance of $650, right? At the end of your term, you're going to get all your money back minus the fees that they mm. that they've added, you know what I'm saying? But the part the, the positive part about it is you're going to get a whole year of positive payment history reported. Right. So every month they're going to take it straight out your bank account. Fifty bucks, fifty bucks, fifty bucks. But every month they report that to the credit bureaus as a paid uh, payment, as a positive payment. Right. So you're going to have a whole year worth of positive payment history every time they deduct that fifty bucks and you get your money back. Yeah. Right. Minus the fees. So that's one way. The other way you can do it. It's called piggybacking, right? Um, you can piggyback on someone else's credit. And simply what that is, is finding someone who has a decent credit card. Yeah. Their credit card been open for about, let's say, five years. Their utilization rate is below 30%. Their limit is anywhere between $1,000 to $10,000, right? And they have excellent payment history. They haven't missed a payment. They can add you onto their card as an authorized user, Okay. Now, as an authorized user, they can give you the option to have a card or not have a card. Most people give you the option not to have a card, right? Like, I'm not going to give you a card, but I'm going to put you on to my account as an authorized user because you're going to get all that positive history that's associated with my credit card is now about to be reported to your mm. credit report. People call those trade lines, right? So Thanks, right, Peggy. Right? right. So you can, you can do that. Or, Did that. Or the third thing that you can do is um there's a company called my jeweler right was well, it's, it's two more is one more other thing you could do third thing is my jeweler that's uh myjeweler.com it's a website and basically it's a jewelry company you get an automatic approval right regardless of your credit score you get an automatic approval for about three thousand dollars the catch is you have to use that money on their website right so they give you a three a three thousand dollar limit right and the jewelry is some rinky neat bullshit. Who cares? Go on there, buy a hundred dollar, buy a hundred dollar pair of earrings, right? Yeah. And pay that shit right back, right? They gonna give you three thousand dollars limit. Spend a hundred dollars and pay it right back. That is going to boost your score phenomenally, right? Because you just opened the account. You just opened right. the account. They gave you three thousand dollars. You spent a hundred, which kept you below the utilization rate of thirty percent. Right. It will be three hundred dollars. Right. So you stay below the utilization and you paid it right back. You get what I'm saying? So that's going to look excellent. Like, damn, we just extended her credit, him credit. He bought something and paid it right back. But now I got a whole bunch of janky jewelry. No, all you need is one thing. All you need is one. Thing. Oh, just like you do this one time. Just do it. Like you said, he said a hundred dollars worth of jewelry. Oh, OK. And pay it right back and don't use the card again anymore. But now what happens is you show that you use the card. Right. Now you have positive payment history and your utilization rate is still low and the account is still open, right? So that now has established a $3,000 line of credit for you, right? The last thing that you can do is uh, Rental Karma, okay? And Rental Karma is a company that reports your rent payments to your credit report just like a mortgage payment, okay? So what you have to do with that- <laughs> Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. This is well, good With that, um, I tell people there's a couple of ways you can finesse this, right? Like, there's a couple of ways you can finesse the system. So you can do it the, le the, the legal legit way, which is to talk to your landlord, your property management or whatever. If you're staying in an apartment or whatever like that, if you're renting, talk to your landlord, talk to your property manager, and they will have to fill out the paperwork to report it. 
right? And what happens is rental karma will allow you to do back dating up to two years, right? So they'll let you go all the way back two years of, of history, right? So they'll back date all that history, but it's $25 a month for every month that they do, right? So just say if you did two years worth of back reporting, that's $250, 250 that's 20 months, another 25, 20. So you're looking at roughly about $600, $700 for two years worth of positive rent payment histories. That's going to report like a mortgage payment, right? So that's the back end. Then, so you could pay that 700, get all that back history. And then moving forward, you pay like, I believe $10 a month to continue to have it reported every month that you make that, that rent, that, that rent payment, right? Now, Let's just say you ain't got the best relationship with your landlord, right? Or you didn't your, your rent been late. So you don't want this motherfucker to report bogus stuff on you, right? So what I tell people right. to do, what I tell people to do, find a relative in your family that owns their home, right? That owns their home. And you simply say that you're living with them. Use their address. What rental karma is gonna do, they're gonna pull a public record search to see who's the actual property owner and when they see okay this is the person that you said own a property that own a property and if it's your grandma house grandma can say you've been staying with her for two years you ain't missed no rent payments they don't fucking know that's your grandma you right. know what i'm saying they don't know that right. all they want to do is make sure that that person who's saying that you did this is the person that's on record as the property owner right and so that's another way third thing you can do is with experience it's called experience boost this is the fifth thing i'm sorry experience boost this is the last one it's all good Experian Boost allows you to report all your utility payments to the credit bureaus. Okay. It reports to the credit bureaus. So those aren't already reported? They only report if you don't pay. The bastards. They only Sons report bitches. They, right, <laughs> they, they only report it once they turn your lights out and you owe them. Oh, and they put that collection on your way. But but prior to that, right, they don't um they don't report it. And what you got to understand, too, about utility companies, right? You Let's say ComEd, because ComEd and people's gas is infamous for this shit, right? They'll cut your gas off. You owe $600. They will try to get the money, pursue you for it. You didn't. They send your stuff to collections, right? Now, collection agency pursue you for the debt. You pay the collections, right? But here's the thing. Even if you don't pay the collections, you try to go get people's gas again, they're not going to deny you service. They just require you to do a deposit now, right? Right. I mean, how many times does that happen? They don't right. refuse the service. They <laughs> Me a few times. So <laughs> understand, yeah. they making money off you twice because they just so they they're never going to go to the U.S. government and do a proper a profit loss write off when it comes to utilities. They're never going to do that because right. they know that you're going to need your utility again, so you're going to come back. So if they write it off, that means that you can never get that utility again. Right? right, so they're not going to write it off with the U.S. government. So what Got they do it. is they sell your information. Just say you owe six hundred dollars. They sold your shit to collection agency for three hundred. Right, the collection agency say, "Hey, we'll let you go for four fifty. They make one hundred fifty dollars out the deal. They take it off your take it off your credit report. But then you go to people's gas and be like, "Hey, I want to open up an account." And they be like, "Well, shit, you got to put a deposit." You be like, "Well, I paid the collection. Why I got to pay the deposit?" Oh, they ain't got nothing to do with us, right? So now you pay the collection. I mean, you pay the deposit, which is probably what you originally owe, which is the six hundred. So now you came out of nine hundred dollars for a six hundred dollar account. 
Yeah. Because you didn't know your yeah. rights. You know what I'm saying? Wow. But I don't advise Experian Boost if you don't pay your light bill on time. Right. 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 If you want those people that be paying right. your light bill late, they're going to report that shit late. So, okay. Make sure you pay your utilities on time if you use Experian Boost. But those okay. are the five ways that you can um, boost your credit. Though. Wow. Wow. Brother. Yeah. I want to put that yeah. shit in your post. <laughs> Man, brother, want to thank you for all the knowledge oh, you that you gave. Man, bro. Yeah, that was if awesome. somebody watching this doesn't walk away with some knowledge or a, a tidbit of like a boost of motivation, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. I really don't. For real. <laughs> You'd be surprised, Trey. You can, for you real. can lead people to water, but they won't drink it, bro. Can't have them drink it. How do they get to you, man? Uh, are you on Instagram at uh, Dina Forex? Uh, Dina Forex at Instagram, on Facebook. They can reach me at Ryan B. Willis um, on Facebook. And if they want to email, they can email me at Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, consulting, the number one at gmail.com. Okay. One more time again. Uh, uh, the, yeah. the Gmail. Gmail is Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G, the number one at gmail.com. All right, cool. Yep. There it was. There it is. Brother, thank you so much. It, perhaps we can get you on like down the line again. Uh, hey, you know. whenever y'all want me on, man, Brother. I, I'm, I'm always thank willing you. to talk to the people. You know, yeah. I'm, always, I'm always down for talking about financial literacy and pushing that movement in our community because we are always the last ones to the table. Yeah. Like, always the last ones. And the reason we always the last ones is because we always think everything's a scam. We're still confused about money. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody else running up a bag. They run up yeah. the By the time we find out about it, it's too late. The lick is over with. They they shut it down. Man. Brother, Before you go, where's you. the next vacation? Where are we going next? Um, I'm, going, I'm, actually, I'm leaving Friday. I'm actually leaving Friday. I'll be in Tulum uh, for the weekend. This where's Tulum? What's the Tulum? Tulum hey. is, is right outside of Cancun. It's like an hour. It's oh, like okay. Exclusive like little area <laughs> in Mexico that everybody's been going to. So I'm going to go check he didn't, out. He didn't say like three, four spots I never heard of. But I'm like, I'm sure it's pretty <laughs> and I'm sure you had fun. Yeah. Nah, so I was just, so I, I went to Jamaica last, shit, two weeks ago. I was in Jamaica twice, July. And then in August, I was in Jamaica. I went there back to back. Um, Tulum will be, I'm leaving Friday. And then September, I'll be in Istanbul and Cappadocia. So that's dope. In Turkey. So just that's moving around, man. Moving around. That's dope. That's, I, we hope to live trading, the of- still training as I'm moving around. Like still training. As long as I got Wi-Fi, laptop, and cell phone, it's on and popping. That's what's it's up, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, definitely holler at you off the air about the forex thing. I'm definitely I interested. I got definitely interested. Hey, man, continue success to you, brother. Much blessings to you. you. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you all so much. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right. So, uh, man, episode 13, see what had happened was. That brother was great. He was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, that was good information. Down the drain. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Holla. Juicy.